0: Wednesday, August, What? it's already August.
1: We're August 19th, August 19th. I, I know that because I just had to fill out um, all my travel applications. I just came back from visiting my wife's family in Italy. They're on the green list from Ireland. And okay. everywhere you go, you have to put all your certificates. And so I've had to report that it's August 19th about three times just to get through the whole ah. ceremony of the
0: flight. So today's
1: August 19th.
0: <laughs> fantastic so how how was it by the way the travel and uh, did you guys fly there or yeah we flew I mean I'm
1: supposed to keep it low-key which I suppose this is the opposite of doing that on a podcast um but you know her, her she you know she's obviously she she if if Italy was going to be on the green list we were going to go visit her family so that's kind of our um and catch some sun on the way but yeah it was uh it, it was like I, I think um, fascinating. I mean, the idea of social distancing for Italians is a, is a whole phenomenon. You know, like I'm not sure they they get it completely. You know, but they've you know they went through so much trauma. Um, you know, we met with a lot of people. that was it was just you know they'd gone through much, so much trauma beforehand that they were quite sensitive to it. And you know, the policies seemed to be changing. Why we were there, you know, but what you could do. Everyone was wearing masks. Um, you know, very stylish masks as you would expect from Italians.
0: <laughs> you know, of, also... of, of of course, designer masks, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> which which I should ask my girls kind of what, what their preferences Right, day. right. Because you're because one designer. of your girls is gonna be in Italy gonna be in Italy doing design. That, right that's okay. that's the hypothesis as of now. So we're uh, <laughs> right, you know right. <laughs> right. We're shooting for her to be in Florence in September. So let's uh, let's see. But
1: flight was half empty. Um, You know, we were masked. You're an optimist,
0: Jim. It's half full. Yeah. Come on.
1: It's half half full. It's half full. Right, right,
0: right. (laughs) I was actually just earlier with somebody on, um, like, on Teams video. um, And they were entering, um, you know, a a bus, right? Uh, And everybody's wearing masks. And the the, the ironic part is, um, you know, at the airport, it's like you cannot sit next to each other in the seats in the airports because they block it off but then in the in the plane as long as the seat is sold they pack people in so go figure but supposedly yeah, the-
1: I think the planes were, you know, were half empty, but you know, we'll see. Um I mean, it's, it's good to see things. I'm going to yeah. keep reminding you. are you're, <laughs> you're an
0: optimist. On, on that optimistic note, um, Great. You know, we're, uh, I'm going to very quickly introduce him as, as always. Um, sure. and, and as always, we're going to make that person say their last name because I I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. Uh, he, yeah. he's certainly a good friend of mine. I do believe you know him as well. You've come across him in, in, the, so Def-
1: I'm- definitely come All across right. him, but this will be the one of the closest meetings,
0: <laughs> virtually. So um, right. right, So uh, and actually, a shout out to Jess DeMassa, who introduced me and said, "You guys are going to be like you know brothers from another mothers, right?" Or right. So um, so I'm gonna uh, I'm I'm gonna enter and admit Milan Kamkolcar, and he will pronounce it correctly. I'm sure. Great. Milan. Um, Milan. There's great
2: oh, Hold on, here we go. What's up, guys? How are you?
0: That's a good way to do green screening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> looking good. Looking good.
2: I've got to say, I'm super excited because today's the. Uh, you guys are the first external folks I'm going to speak to in my new newly painted study. So I'm very thrilled. With that. Wow! Oh, we're it, honored as well.
1: This is a new study. It's a new green background for podcasting, or.
2: I don't know if a you per I wanted a popping out color just to keep me awake during the day, you know. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, for- I thought you were
1: doing it because you're gonna be in, you're gonna be talking to someone based in Ireland, so there's a bit of green going on, or. <laughs> of course,
2: actually, you sent slip the message and I said, "All right, I'm down. It's Down, uh,
0: you know, jump, jump right in. I love it, but but you know, for for our listeners slash viewers, because I always butcher the the last name. So first of all if you can actually say your name and give a little more background because where the hell is your accent from for our viewers? I mean, I know it, but.
2: Yeah, righto, righto. So, uh, look, uh, so Camp Colker. uh, That was close. Yeah. According to my parents conceived in Trinidad, but, uh, born and raised, born and raised in, uh, in in Sydney, Australia, Uh, uh, Aussie, you know, left, uh, left Sydney um, right after uh, undergrad. Um, you know, it was just an excuse to really just get out of town and see the rest of the world, as most Aussies typically do. I think you, you generally tend to see a lot of Aussie travellers everywhere. Um, and it was also a bit of motivation. You know, I've got to say, I had a, um, I had a lab manager in biochem uh, who actually instigated me. I would say she's the catalyst, and I've kept in contact with her over the years. A woman by the name of Jewel Johnson, where she said, look, I asked her for a work reference uh, and she basically said, yeah, I'll give you a reference, but I think the most you're going to do given your grades is work in a, in a department store. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> so uh, I said, no, no, that can't be it. <laughs> so that's what right. sort, of, sort of prompted me to leave us. Um But look, Ooh. yeah, I came to America, uh, studied genetics over at Thomas Jefferson university. Uh, okay. You know, met the missus. We moved to California. Uh, worked in, I think probably was one of my most favourite jobs ever. Uh, even though I was so such a baby in that, but uh, working for John Couch and the Double Twist team. And your listeners, John Couch was the person who led Lisa, which became Mac OS. He was a very early employee. I think if you read all the Apple history books, you can certainly see John's name there. But you could effectively say, you know, we were tr- Apple was basically trying to do to the human genome project what, uh, in many ways, 23andMe has evolved to today. Uh, but this is very early days, 1999, 2000 timeframe. Um, through that- uh, saw- we're, getting, we're getting old. We're getting old. Uh, look, I, I, I call it aging with grace.
0: <laughs> I, I just, and I'm gonna give my age away. We were driving, uh, and sorry to interrupt the, you know, we were driving the other day, Marina and I, and I kind of said, like, in 16 years, I'll be 60. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I know, you know, some yeah. of you guys are closer to it already, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all good.
2: It's all good. O-
1: old, old lives matter. Old lives matter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, I'll just close it up by saying, look, you know, I've had, I've had a very serendipitous career. I mean, each one of those was simply really reasons to just try and feed my kids as we were having them as we go along, right? So... Uh, but always loved the life sciences, always loved the intersection of technology, what it could do there. I mean, even as a geneticist, it was cool going from sort of that scientific consulting to technology, you know, adoption and embedding, um, worked in some fabulous companies. I mean, I think we were part of the original, I would say the OG crew who first did uh, AI for drug discovery back in the day and made crazy commitments of finding X number of targets. In fact, Eugene, I, I should say, you know, for your, for your previous company for Bayer, we had a big deal uh, to find 500 novel drug targets over five years using the Genome Project. We managed to crush mm. in year one. Uh, mm. so it's, it's, it's impressive. Oh, where but, was this? This was way, 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 2001, way, 2001, yeah. 2001, uh, okay. Science was the company based out of Heidelberg at the EMBL. Uh, there's a lot of alumni from there spread out in different companies today doing amazing work, but it was the early days of bioinformatics, man. I mean, we invented that shit, you know? It was coming yeah. around, how does this stuff apply? I'm not saying we only, but that was sort of- The, yeah, the, the OG, so who, who else is in that OG crew? Man, there's a, there's a bunch of really cool people. Uh, I think Chris Bouton, I think Andreas Matern, uh There's a bunch of guys from Dolch's, you know, Eric Schatz, you know, uh, amazing, amazing chap from the Rosetta crew. Uh, there are a lot of Insight and Solera folks that are floating around as well. I mean, that was that was the first genome sequencing analysis conference. You know, I'll never forget that. That was when there was a lot of money. BC was floating around like bonkers. And it's kind of weird, right? When you think about uh, history repeat itself, I mean, boy, is it repeating itself now, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what's, your, what's your take with what everything going on right now with these? these? I, I, I think it's fascinating. I was looking at your background and... So as a chief digital officer, right? Like, so you've done that role now three or four times or some actually, version of that?
2: actually, so I was part of the original digital medicine team at Novartis. And, you know, after okay. the consultants gave their blue slides. You know, we said, okay, this makes sense. And, you know, uh, but I, I ran the AI and data science group, uh, right. digital medicines at that time. Um, and then Sanofi was the first chief data officer uh, in the life sciences industry at an enterprise level. That was- yep experience, but, uh, you know, but it led me to here, you know, I went back to my roots of genomics and startup again, which I, I could not be more pleased with. Than yeah. You, well, you, with, you've with been a, wearing a t-shirt. I mean, <laughs> no, I've, got to be point, man. I've got to be on brand, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so tell us, wait, wait, before, tell us a little bit about Solarity to give us the kind of, the.
2: Yeah, sure, man. Look, so, Solarity was an idea uh, from two co- co-founders uh, of the company. Uh, Avak Kavashian, who's a a, a origin partner at Flagship Pioneering, who's responsible for numerous great companies out there, you know, had a role in the early days of Moderna and all these sorts of companies. But, you know, if you've read anything about Flagship, you know that they pride themselves on internal invention and then funding scientific discoveries that are the first of its kind. And Solaris is one of those models. We had this convergence, if you will, of single cell data, which is at least year to date, the highest resolution of of life, i.e. the single cell. Um, And we've had amazing advancements in machine learning and technology that's coming through now. And last but not least, uh, what was missing was truly a thesis to break the boundaries of how we look at biology. Um, And it's quite incredible, right, when you think about it, because Biology is such a humbling field. I mean, it makes you realize just how little you know. And when you, tr- we, we thought we could try and figure out a bit more about biology by taking the complete antithesis road of how drug development and drug discovery is done today, which is a reductionist path. Uh, you know, you, you reduce things to the smallest anatomical unit, you study it, then try and put it back together. The opposite of that in complex theory is emergence. And we took an emergent path to do that. But net net, Solarity is a company where where our why is, uh, or as I explained to my daughter, I said, look, you know, when you have kids or, or perhaps, you know, when our youngest son goes to school and he starts studying biology, there'll be a chapter in Stryer or other genomics books called cell behaviors. And you should know that your dad and his teammates had a little hand in doing that with sure. like sponsorship. And I think, you know, the vehicle of creating this new biological hypothesis is developing medicines. That's sort of the the venture right. vehicle that creates the value. But I think ultimately, when people join Celerity, they join it because no one's done cell behavior before. And we think it makes perfect sense in, bio- in biology today to do so.
1: And how are you finding the um, the marketplace right now, just with all the, you know, like we've, we've had on the podcast, like, uh, you know, with all the the excitement around, you know, the innovation for digital health. And our time yeah. is finally here. And, you know, we're like the dog who caught the car and we don't know what to do. And, um, and, and then, but you're in a, like, like, how are you, how are you finding like you're in such a deep science space of digital health and a lot of the, these valuations are happening and system improvements and care right. improvements. Is it a confusing time? Is it clear? Is it as exciting
2: I think it's crystal clear to us. <laughs> I would say to us, <laughs> what we want to do. Um, look, I got to say, man, you know, I, I didn't really know Flagship uh, before I joined the teams here. Uh, I knew that David Epstein, who was a former CEO Novartis, who was someone who I did a lot of the digital work with back when I was. Okay. Novartis. Uh, I knew he was here as a general partner. I knew one of my former buddies, or he's still a buddy, not former, but when I was at, former colleagues, uh, Remy Evard, who was a CIO for NIVO. Uh, in the past. He had just joined. And I knew uh, Grace niwa who was the executive recruiter of Biogen, before, and I knew she was there. And I figured, man, you don't attract this kind of amazing talent if you were a nonsense uh, venture. Creation sure. And so I say that because having Nubar as your chairman and having Avak as one of the partners helping you and then the, the extended flagship ecosystem back you up they understand that invention, not innovation, invention needs time to be to be adopted and to be created in the market. Right? Right. And needs actually the right funding pool to go there. So when you hear Nubar speak, it's like Yoda, man. I mean, the guy's amazing. <laughs> he truly, he just asks you these very insightful questions that you didn't think about before. That's what helps yeah. around us, but it also keeps us... Uh, in line with the ambition of the company. So yeah, I don't see it confusing at all. I think there's a lot of great companies out there. I look at the AI for drug discovery companies, which is often you know, a, a, a very common comparator, if you will. Um, you know, I'm thrilled that they're doing work. But to me, I look at that work as necessary vehicles that are going to get normalized anyway in big company. It's mm. the... Um, there are companies, you- companies that are going to get both accepted and adopted you know, which is a good
0: thing. And and you see that being internalized. I mean, you know, some of some of the folks that we all know, right, uh, Adam Wise, you know, and Silico, you know, so many, uh, it just, it, funding galore, right? Um, yeah. And, but also at the same time, when you talk to a lot of the scientists, and, and by the way, you know, I, I, this is like a shameless plug for my book of uh, Heart Pill to Swallow. One of the chapters <laughs> is um, uh, room Law, right? Um, gulp, gulp. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um and you, and I think part of this, I mean there's a, to your point, there's like a number of thesis. So some uh companies are, you know, if you break down the drug discovery process even further, because I think everybody talks about the magic AI and drug discovery, but it's you know, that process itself just has so many different things and so many of these companies fit in.
2: Honestly AI is just curve fitting. That's all it is. You get data, you curve you fit curves. That's you know. But yeah. uh, look, I'll tell you, look, what, what I see in the AI space, because look, I, I I'm very excited about it. My whole career has been spent in data mining, not only for this industry, I spent time also outside of the industry doing work, right. uh, you know, when I had my own startup company with, with a guy from Imperial College, or uh, partnering with them, right? But so the point is, I think there's, there's a couple of companies that are out there today that are definitely buzzworthy and definitely are contributing to the overall good of, a, of adoption. Acceptance of these technologies. Um, right. You're right. They are they are innov they are innovations. Right, new methods being applied to old problems. Right, right? and as a result of that, we will definitely see uh, efficiency and effectiveness. There's no question in my mind that we will not see that. We will, and it's good. Right. These techniques. I mean, if you look at cell painting and computer vision coming together and being able to use computer vision to understand phenotypic landscapes, you know, uh, changes in cell landscapes or changes in anatomy or cell biology. These are brilliant things, right? Recursion in Citro are doing this wonderfully well. Um, In many ways, you almost say like in Citro, is like like the next version of recursion in terms of their data models. Daphne Curler is an amazing person, no question in in any of our minds. And you think of the team that she's building out there, great company. Um, But you know, it's again, you know, to this notion of gene target, uh, so, you know, uh, so gene pathway protein, which is the old school way of understanding disease biology. Um, right. And it's great because we will need that improvement. We need their innovations and we need their approach to doing this work. But I think if you're really going to break through and create a new kind of biotech, not just a tech bio, which tends to be that audience, a mm-hmm. uh, new kind of biotech, you have to com- radically change and deliberately change what needs to be changed. And in this case, you have to define a whole new target class. These pathways may be useful, but only for some diseases. We call cell behaviors as actually the new target class. The cell, in fact, is the new target. And when you see the AI companies out there, they're either doing very good target identification, they're either doing very good uh, chemical optimization, small molecule screening, you know, Atomwise, etc. Again, all necessary things that we need to adopt. You get some hybrids like the in silico that are publishing good work in those spaces. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, having done that back in 2000, and we crushed those numbers at Lion. You know how many drugs came out of that? No. And <laughs> how many years? 12 years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have so, to wonder, you know. So so tell us why. Tell us why. Like. Well, Okay, to your think, point,
0: you had you said some before five hundred targets, right, for yeah. a loan at the time, and you know one or two z's, yeah. and and this two three billion that it takes in twelve years, and you know, yeah. Look,
2: I, well, I think there are some obvious reasons that we've all experienced. You know, these those of us have been in sort of big farming in that scale, and you don't even have to be in research to know this. Silos, number one, lack of sharing data, lack of incremental evidence that's being generated in critical but frankly are not integrated level in thinking about how we think about disease. Chronic disease is not a disease of respiratory, cardio, or metabolic. It's all of those. And perhaps mm-hmm. more. But we never study them that way and our business franchises are never set up with incentives to think that way. So there mm-hmm. are, you know, so we're either working on great technologies, like I see the amazing work coming out of Jay Bradner's team at Niver. You know, even Matthias and the ties to the JMJ really, really compelling work that's coming through. But, you know, it's the, it's the, um, operational innovation that's being implemented there. Yeah. We're, right. not, right. we're really not changing process really. We're adding data lakes instead of databases, we're mm. adding, uh, machine learning instead of statistical programming, you know, right. but nothing's actually changed. In fact that would in some places it's gotten more bloated so i'm gonna I'm gonna
0: bring you back to I probably would have been rich by now if every time I literally got I don't know maybe not a penny but a buck <laughs> right um, that uh, you I mean you woke me up to this and it just so resonated I know'm i building this up um, but but I think <laughs> you kind of said look you know I, I think actually it was on Facebook you posted something and I saw it do you want to do that? Do you like doing things better or do better things? Right? right. And man, I, I use that. Like I think it helped me through my whole bare three and a half years because right. I, and what you just described actually is exactly that, right? Like you will right. do things better you will, you know, you will actually improve the efficiencies, you know, operational processes, but are you doing
2: better things? That's correct. Look, and and I, you know, um, so thank you, by the way, that's, that yeah, was like,
0: Thank you, man.
2: I mean, Mind blown, you know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, but I, but
1: I have to, I have to follow you though, because, uh, because I have this argument all the time in, in my own head. I just couldn't crystallize it as clearly as you did. Milan, is, um, is this invention versus innovation, right? Like this kind of area. And, and I think that like, like by nature, I'm not, I'm not a scientist by background, but I'm kind of an inventor. Um, yeah. And it just takes a long time. And then people that work on the innovation side of the thing piece, you know, they kind of work in these cycles that are just much, much smaller. Right. And, and, and pharma, you know, like these large organizations, I'm not that like, hanging pharma out to dry these large organizations, you know, the average tenure, and we've talked about this on the podcast in a role is two or three years. So, you know, so it's like NFL football players, you know, you're only getting so much time out of these. Out uh, of these athletes, you know, inside of space, and so how can you do invention yeah. if something's going to take 12 years or life's work, right?
2: Yeah, and get, you're right. You know, and, and I, I know Eugene and I certainly have had many, several drinks over this topic, you know, in, in the past, right? But it was just that notion of, you know, you need you need avatars, right? You need avatars of people coming through in the same world to make that incremental progression in these large companies. And honestly, it's not their fault. But I think at some point you just become too big to last. Right right? And which is okay, because then you partner them with people who can move fast, right? Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, the first set of advertising, people like Eugene, myself, you know, we've got, you know, other, other boys and girls in the circle who do this kind of stuff, right? You have changed catalysts and people that leave dead bodies along the road, man. I mean, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I definitely left dead bodies along the road. No question in my mind. <laughs> Uh, there are probably people that hate my guts and there are people that probably love it. There you go. Look at this guy. <laughs> you said <laughs> Avatar and I was here. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> no, but this is what it is, right?
0: It's like you got working. Go. <laughs> um, <apart>.
2: okay. <laughs> I knew you were trying to do the same, Jim Joyce, but it didn't
0: work
2: for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But it's, it's just so funny because you see, you know, you, you have to have people that deliberately piss off the organization so that the next yeah. person who comes in doesn't have to do that again, but can actually leverage the value of that, of really breaking those ceilings of middle management, right? And just saying, look, right. off, let us get some work done so we can actually do some stuff. and lay layer. Yeah, you know it's permafrost. Like All that just needs to be done is thaw.
1: So what happens now, though? What, like, if we think about, you know, so we're in this kind of like, you know, we, we, again, we're talking about this a lot. We're in this kind of um, kind of enlightened time now of, yes. of digital healthcare innovations, mm-hmm. you know, targeting science, targeting better patient care, you know, efficiency. And so we're in this space now. So like, and I always thought like, you know, the, the kind of innovations or inventions or whatever that I come up with when I go to talk to pharmaceutical companies that we work a lot with, I always found that there was there was people that came from hardcore science, right? And then and then embraced digital from a hardcore science, and then people came maybe from more of the commercial or business side of it and embraced it very differently. And and there was like yet they they're kind of put in the same room, like, you know, they're kind of painted with the same cloth, but they're, they're really, and they, you know, the scientists might just get bored with the idea of a mm-hmm. lavongo, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like that's kind of, you know, uh, very different, but what happens now to us? How do, how do these organizations change?
2: I'm not sure they, I think it's the mindset you go into. If, you know, we don't need pharma to be disrupted, honestly, that's such a nonsensical idea. You want yeah. them to be around. If you think about disrupting pharma, why the hell are you partnering with someone you want to disrupt? They're I mean, it's so stupid right, when you think about it because it's a cash cow you can get partnership funds from. Actually, I think, you know, with the innovation pieces where people partner, the ones that are successful are the ones that are able to implement it into an existing workflow where it can be adopted. Right? Mm. Your first goal is to get accepted. Like, is this an approach that's feasible? Number two can this be adopted in a time frame that is reasonable enough at a cost and resource allocation that's meaningful if you're then able to produce the evidence that's when you get scaling up of acceptance but the initial you know you you want to try, you know I got, I've mentored a bunch of different startup companies and that's the 12 years you just described right
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> the 12 <laughs> years you just
2: described <laughs> in some cases yeah i mean look commercial obviously operates in a very different time scale compared to medical or yeah any anytime you're being a patient obviously you have to be you know respectful right of that but you
0: know i mean look look you know at the end of the day and i I still remember this you know we are talking about our human bodies right and uh and we need to be uh cautious of that and so again i think we we chatted with someone on um i think nicole uh uh, last time that, you know, yeah, yeah, Nicole Baker um, around, um, you know, the, the, the government expediting the process now, right? Letting, I mean, we'll, we'll see what that ends up as right in
2: the next year or two, but yeah, no, I I think it's fascinating man you could not be in a better time to be in this space. I think the technology is right. I don't think it really is no longer a technology issue in terms of getting work one. I think the jury's still out on blockchain. I don't know about that. Let's see. You know, uh, that may That's a- still around. Yeah, it feels. <laughs>
0: I'm kidding. I'm it kidding. feels
2: so <laughs>
1: 2019. Or- <laughs> I,
2: think the US, I think the US Post Office put something around there to do secure mail and balance and stuff like that. There's a patent that. They yeah. did. It was very interesting, but anyway, that's that's different. Let's say technology is not an issue, right? Uh, people are still an issue or skill sets are still an issue. So do you have the right folks to be able to execute this in a time frame that's appropriate? And then I think it's how you value that, right? And to really reach value, you have to show evidence. And I think what we're going to see in the next couple of years is um, a massive uh, bloodletting, frankly, of, you know, again, you know, I just came this back to dot-com ages. I mean, there's literally stupidity for everything. And I'm not convinced that they are either being adopted, that there's a business plan around them, there's an operating model of what you wanna get done. And ultimately, yep. you know, when you think about working with pharma, nine times out of 10, they end up being massive consulting projects, not technology plays. Mm. And there's a huge margin issue when you consider that as your business model. You go into consulting, low number margins. Product, high, high margins. And most mm. of these, you know, really great ideas end up being bastardized through massive consulting projects and mm. endless pilots that never end. You know? Yeah, I mean,
0: listen, I mean, there's nothing, you know, you can put a, a good sort of prototype together. You yeah. may expect a Frankenstein at the end, right? Like, yeah. it's just, I... Yeah, no, you're right. I
2: mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm again, you know, I remain really optimistic about this space because I do believe the time is right now. To really start thinking and getting people who can cross these chasms, They're these these polyglots who can speak multiple languages.
1: But, but do you think do you think like right now like take like you have like Eugene's company you know that in him, you know. Um,
0: Let's see if you can do a thirty-second pitch on my behalf.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love your coach. I can really do it. I mean, I think the, the this concept of identifying the clear gap and demand. Yeah. you know, in the marketplace is kind of this massive gap. It's like, you know, people talk about general practitioners, not, there not being enough of them. So yeah. this whole idea that we've through all these digital health tools, Eugene, we've created this demand for health coaches that no one ever saw before. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to create a marketplace to meet the demand. Did I get it? Yeah. Love
2: it. <laughs> love it. I love, I, love but, it. I, love, I love Eugene's company too, you know, I'm down with but, it.
1: Yeah. That, that, no, I was pitching Eugene's company. The, um, the, but it is like now, like I don't see a, a stage where, where early stage companies, I, I, you know, they, it don't, people without something substantial don't really get funded. don't get across the line. I don't even think they can companies right now. Is, isn't that the difference between, you know, the dot com and what's happening in digital health right now is that this whole kind of filtering process is pretty severe at the beginning. That's how it feels to me anyway. Uh, meaning you uh, meaning unless like you're an established entrepreneur with the background with the track record uh, yeah you can get some new stuff across the line but you know a kind of a kid with an idea and a I, server
2: I, yeah I, I don't know if i agree with that to be honest with you i think there's more than enough angel investors out there that if you want money you can get money right I, I you think so yeah. yeah i don't yeah i mean I, you know i was speaking to my buddy uh I don't know if you guys know B Capital, right? They were one of the companies that funded uh, Evidation and yeah. but my childhood friend there, Raj Gandhi, one of the co-founders of B Capital with, with Eduardo Savarin, right? And we were chatting two weekends ago on his birthday. And it was just cool, just chatting, you know, Most of all, just catching up, you know, but then, right. you know, just hearing his perspective on how they're growing B Capital and what his thoughts are on the space. He was asking my thoughts on the digital health space. What else should they be thinking about? And, you know, in, in his own words, he said, you know, Mills, it's, it's not an issue of capital right now. There is a stupid amount of money floating around just from successful IPOs, et cetera. I think we, we got to look for things that are now in a position to start thinking about creating legacy that are on the road to creating a legacy transformation. And that's really sort of the, the zone of which are at now, which is, for an entrepreneur is incredibly difficult because on one hand, you've got an option, you know, you should always have in your back of your head, you know, when, how should I exit? Should I exit? When should I exit, right? Because uh, there will be an exit at some point. <clears throat> and you don't want that to come at the risk of, uh, you know, if, if you're a young chap, fair enough, right? But a uh, young woman, fair enough. But um, you, you don't want that to come at the risk of not leaving a legacy, you know? Uh, when I think about the double twist, you know, I mean, the only thing I can still remember, and you can find it on eBay, uh, the little double twist scientific dolls that we made back in the day. <laughs> it was stuff. The legacy. Like they're, they're around, you know? I see some folks at Pfizer and J&J still have them on their desk and it cracks me up, right? Cause I'm like, that was really good. But you I think- know, it's,
0: you know it's, it's interesting and uh, kind of just a little bit of the echo and I, I- appreciate, Jim, your your 30-second pitch, but, like, when, when actually, when Marina, right, started your, your coach, it was really all-around legacy, right? It's coming through a mm-hmm. challenge that she had, right, right. Um, and turning that into an energy, right, to actually create a whole thing, right, a whole company right. around it, and the discussions are not around, you know, valuations or, yeah, I mean, ultimately, we'll, we'll have those discussions, but that's not, that's not the reason for it. And that was like the best thing for me to join her on the journey on it. Right. Because it's, it's Mm. got something here. This sense Um, of
1: a sense of purpose, right. Like they, they, in companies, you know, kind of fight for that, right. Like it's a real.
0: Which mm. to me actually is a very unique thing in the health and care space. Right. Um, You know, it's not a widget thing and don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, there's always some reasoning for it and finding a market fit and all of that. But I think, the entrepreneurs in the health and care space, I, I'm, I'm sure there's great ones that look at a, you know, a market gap and we're gonna create a business around it and sell it and, and, and it happens and it does fine, right? I um, but again, what, one other thing, I actually personally see that I, I agree with you, Milan, that there is money around, that there's absolutely money, but I do think that, you know, at least sort of putting my old
2: hat on, yeah.
0: you know, the requirement was no longer you have an idea Right. Uh, right, you're a young entrepreneur. You needed a, uh, you know, team of co-founders with different expertise. That was the requirement. You know, so I, I, do think that funnel of actually creating good companies because of the maturity of the digital health space has evolved over the last. Let's call it five to seven years. Yeah, I,
2: now, I think you're right, Eugene. Uh, Eugene and, and James, right? I mean, for sure, right? Yeah. You know, I think when, when this thing, whole digital health stuff really started taking off, at that time, they were ideas, right? right. Were reasonable, until we saw a lot of folks come through, some made it, some didn't. Nowadays, I, I agree, you know, the ownership of someone who did ad placements for many years, all of a sudden coming in and thinking they can solve Medicare Part D, I'm not sure is a one-to-one translation, right? I um, hope they do. <laughs> and if you think about it, most of the digital leads that tend to have either come in farm, et cetera, have come from that multi-channel engagement background, which is only one part of the business model. Mm. Yeah, really but is- I, I
1: actually, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about this, Eugene, today coming in, like if we just had to riff and talk on a subject, I thought it was really interesting um, like we say with my company's technology, with Health Beacons technology, we're, we're getting to a scale that we're starting to get lots of patient stories fed back to us. And um, and then we have, so we have now, we have people in the digital health ecosystem that actually have our tool, right? not right. by design, you know, not by just because they, they're on a chronic injectable medication. We're all and, human
0: beings uh, and we are all patients at some point in right. our life.
1: <laughs> and I think that's one of the most interesting things about you know, whereas, whereas the chances, if you think about like great scientific discoveries that you hear about, like the ones that get made, you know, into movies, it's about, you know, some father, you know, pursuing a treatment for their child and learning the science and, you know, or, you know, a a mother not accepting a certain answer or or someone trying to, you know, like how that, how that influenced scientific discovery, but digital health is even so much because you don't have to become a scientist, right? Like you say, saying, hey, I don't like how I'm being treated. I don't like how Medicaid, Medicare you know, Part D works, you yeah. know, and they can go try to go solve that. So this is this whole idea that the patient is just driving the transformation or, or look at like, you know, we we do a lot. Obviously, we talk a lot about Lavongo, Glenn Tullman's experience with the son and yeah. talking about that quite openly and saying, hey, I'm going to solve this. And he had the wherewithal to actually try to solve it, you know, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: No, look, at, you're right. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, on a personal point, Eugene knows this, you know, last year I had open heart surgery uh, in, wow. in May, May 10th, to be specific, completely asymptomatic leading up to it. It was a congenital issue. Nowadays, it's an oil and filter change. I mean, the cardiovascular surgeons are brilliant nowadays. It's just, wow. If they hit great. How many of these surgeries do they do per day? Do people live? Yes. Okay, good. You're my doc kind of thing, right? Which is is fine. But the reality is, you know, coming after that, you know, I was getting wonderful uh, uh, post-operative care, but there were so many nuances in that post-operative piece that I thought, oh my God, I can't believe this is what you have to go through. Getting access to my own data. I wanted to right. sequence my own tissue. I'm like, why can't I have my own damn old valve to see whether there's some genetic dispositions that I could uh, better understand? Of course, no, there's rigmarole there. The Apple Watch study. I'm on the Apple Watch uh, study with MGH on cardiac care. Wonderful company, but again, you know, just looking at it from the patient experience, I, I take my watch off when I come home in the evening. I don't wear it. Right. Or, I don't wear it going to bed. I don't wear it waking up. I have a cup of coffee, watch the telly for a bit, then I put it on. And you think those clinical endpoints for uh, a cardiologist to be able to understand, okay, here are some resting, you know, some uh, resting heartbeat baselines. Here's what REM right. is like throughout those things are such crucial pieces of information that as a right. day person back in the day, I would say, what is wrong with these people? Why can't they just wear their damn watch? They right. Want it. You know?
1: right. Right. Right, because right. Comes- they took a shower. They yep. took a shower or something.
0: Yeah,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you learn these things. You see these things.
0: That's it. So I, I purposely this is, this is what I love about the icon because I just looked at the time where like 40-something minutes into it and we try to keep it. So I figured I'd get you guys' attention um, because I'm enjoying the <laughs> shit out of this. Um, but um, this is probably be- better. Uh, so we're we're all, the, all of the digital health, uh, pi- you know, pirates, I guess. So on that note, any, uh, I don't know. I, I actually, there's so many good nuggets. I think you guys have, this episode specifically, just finished writing my... Chapter on E-ROOM
2: law.
0: So, this will get transcribed with all the full credits and all of that. But, right. uh, of anyway, so on, on that note, I, I think this this was awesome. Just had a lot of fun. I, I'm surprised you didn't play with your little backgrounds given the fact that you have green screen.
2: Oh, God. But, but um,
0: <laughs> don't um, worry. Don't. No, no. Uh, so, August 19th, uh, we're over and out. Milan, thanks for hopping in. There you go. Solarity <laughs> everywhere.
2: Love it. You know? Love it. it.
0: <laughs> um, awesome. And then, for the viewers and listeners, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow in Spotify or whatever other partnerships. I think Amazon partnership is coming Amazon, soon. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're Spotify, good.
1: Spotify, Apple.
0: Yeah, we'll and, and with this, I mean, all the all the <laughs> names that Millen just uh, like I couldn't even keep up. So I'll I'll follow up with you because I you know I want to make sure everybody <laughs> those people see that this episode. Yeah, um, and you gave him credit. Over and out. We're over the hump day. Thank you. Both. Cheers. Thank you. See you, kids.